you know, if there's any sort of commonality that might connect these two victims, you know, why they may have been targeted if they were targeted or if it really was just, you know, a random attack and these two have nothing in common with each other. Good Friday morning and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm Palak Jaswal. First, on today's episode, police reporter Peyton Harkins joins us to talk about a string of alleged purge attacks in Ogden and Spanish Fork. Peyton, this has quickly become a very chilling story. So let's start from the beginning. Where did your reporting start? It started kind of how a lot of crime stories do. Basically, we got some information from police that there had been, you know, an assault in Ogden. Um, at the time, it was an attempted hanging because the, you know, the first victim hadn't yet died. But then when we started looking into the court documents after police had told us about this assault, that's when we started learning that there, you know, that this suspect was connected to another homicide down in Spanish Fork. Uh, you know, police documents had said that after they arrested um, the suspect in Ogden, he had just admitted that he had also killed somebody in Spanish Fork the day before. And from what I understand, there were two separate incidents and Spanish Fork and Ogden are about 90 or so miles apart, correct? Yeah, they are. And that was that was what kind of stuck out to me when I was first reporting the story. It was like, you know, how how does somebody go from, you know, a homicide in Spanish Fork the day before, you know, travel 90 miles and two counties or so north and then, you know, allegedly try to kill somebody else. And eventually, you know, I guess they did end up killing somebody else. It was just a few days later. So yeah, first incident was in Spanish Fork and the other incident was in Ogden. And have there any, have there been any charges filed in both incidents so far? Yeah. So prosecutors up in Weber County filed charges in connection with the Ogden hanging. And at first they had filed attempted murder charges, which, um, got changed to aggravated murder charges the same day, actually, they filed charges because the victim who was in the hospital ended up dying. Basically, what what happened to that victim was um, a witness told police that they saw um, the suspect, you know, beating a man and then trying to strangle him with a like rope or strap. And then police ended up finding this guy hanging and he was still alive. But they took him to the hospital and court records indicated that he was effectively brain dead. And so a few days later, he actually died. And that's when they were able to upgrade these charges to murder charges. But in the Spanish Fort case, Utah County prosecutors, as of right now, which is Thursday after, or, you know, Thursday at almost noon, they haven't filed charges yet. And Peyton, what do we know about the people who are involved um, in this incident, the victims, um, the person who is alleged to have committed these crimes? Yeah, so we don't know too much about the victims at this point. They've only identified the man who was killed in Spanish Fork, um, and he was identified as 49-year-old Ryan Hooley. The police haven't told us much information about what happened to him other than they found him dead near a dumpster um, in this area. It's 1200 North, 400 East. So we don't know how he died or anything like that other than, you know, somebody found him there and called police. Um, I talked to one of his family members, his niece, Brittany, yesterday, and she was telling me that, you know, her uncle was homeless, but he was kind of homeless by choice. He, you know, just liked kind of living that lifestyle. He liked the freedom to do whatever he wanted. He liked to hang out with his friends. Um, and outside of that, she was telling me that, you know, he was just a very kind person. He 
you know, she, she told me that after he's died, some of his friends have been reaching out to family members, just kind of telling them stories about, you know, the impact he's had on their lives. And she told this one story about a couple who reached out to her grandma and told um, her that, you know, one day Ryan had like bought a can of chili that he was going to eat. And he was hanging out with this couple and, you know, decided to split the can of chili three ways between these two people that he'd never really met before. Uh, but she also told me about, you know, his sense of humor, just saying that he was somebody that, you know, if you were having a bad day, he could always tell you some kind of joke to make you laugh. Um, and just, you know, kind of reiterated to me that this was a seemingly random attack. Like they don't know why, you know, Ryan ended up dead, but they don't think he deserved it. They don't think that he knew the suspect, you know, they, they don't really understand what's happening. As far as the other victim in Ogden, the only thing I really know about him is that he's 23 years old. Police haven't really released, police haven't released his name yet. So I can't, I don't have much more information about him. And Peyton, have authorities been able to gather any probable cause information from the accused? Yeah, so the person accused of doing this is a 28 year old guy named Christian Teele. He is from Springville. And when they arrested him, according to probable cause statements, um, he told police, you know, I, I didn't, because they arrested him, basically, they found him outside the apartment complex in Ogden. So it's like, you know, they found him, he told them, you know, he admitted to the, you know, trying to kill this guy. And then they went inside the apartment complex and ended up finding the guy hanging. And so at, when they were talking to him during the interview, that's when he admitted that he, um, you know, had been responsible for another homicide down in Spanish Fort the day before and had told authorities, like, a higher power had directed him to like quote purge the cities and that's why he did this uh, you know and outside of that information in the probable cause statement you know i haven't been able to you know gather too much about his motive for that other than just this idea of a purge or something i i reached out to his family as well and they didn't want to comment for this story but his sister wrote a letter to like to the court system after her brother was arrested just talking about how you know, the family doesn't really understand what they talk about as like a, a quick sort of change in their family member. You know, they don't, they can't quite square the person that they, they knew with, you know, what, what he is accused of. And so there, there were some sort of, um, what I want to say, there's some sort of, they, they'd asked not for leniency or sympathy for him, but they are really concerned about his mental health and want to make sure that he gets some sort of mental health treatment. So there's that kind of thread hanging as well. Peyton, as you continue to follow the case, what's next? We're definitely going to be on the lookout for charges um, from the Spanish Fork case, you know, charges out of Utah County, because those haven't come yet. We also want to know more about this victim in Ogden who died. You know, all we know right now is they're a 23-year-old man. We don't know, you know, if there's any sort of commonality that might connect these two victims, you know, why they may have been targeted if they were targeted or if it really was just, you know, a random attack and these two have nothing in common with each other. And I mean, outside of that, I think we, people are interested to learn sort of more about the motive in, in these killings, you know, what, outside of a, a purge, you know, what, what would have motiv motivated somebody to do this? Is it mental health issues? You know, we don't know. Well, Peyton, thank you so much for your important reporting and for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can continue to read Peyton's coverage on this story at sltrib.com. Next, 
columnist Robert Gerke explains what's going on with the Salt Lake City School Board and why they've sidelined the district's first black superintendent. So this week, the Salt Lake City School District uh, put its uh, superintendent, Timothy Gadsden, on leave uh, for the next 21 days. Uh, it appears we've heard from one of the board members that uh, the, the district was trying to terminate his employment. They'd offered him a severance package. Uh, and, and when he refused to leave, uh, they, they put him on, on, on temporary administrative leave. Uh, now we have the Salt Lake mayor and several Salt Lake City Council members who are expressing some concerns about the lack of transparency and that, that has led up to this point. They say they want to see, uh, make sure he has due process and that there is uh, that the public gets to see uh, the the reasoning for what what they're doing. What, the, one of the board members, uh, his name's Mohammed Bayad, is uh, he is he is a black board member, and he is uh, he's pretty upset about it. He says that he thinks that this indicates that there uh, that there's some racism in the system. He thinks that uh, he says that uh, Dr. Gadsden has been cleared by investigations into the complaints that have been made against him and that the action that the board is taking is groundless. Now, the board, of course, is fairly limited in what they can say. It's a personnel matter. So they've been pretty tight lipped about what led to this point. Uh, they say that uh, Dr. Gadsden is still employed uh, with the district. Uh, but if we are to uh, take Dar uh, Muhammad Bayad's word for it, uh, that may be temporary uh, after, this, uh, after this leave ends in 21 days. Thanks, Gurki. That's it for today's episode. Make sure to tune in on Monday for the day's biggest headlines. A huge shout out to the Salt Lake City band, The Pelicans, for our music. <laughs>